Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. If you have a Bible, we're gonna go to the book of Hebrews in the second chapter, or as we like to say here in New Zealand, the book of Hebrews. See what I did there? The book of Hebrews. Um, you know, this evening, I wanna preach a message to you that is simply just entitled, He understands. He understands. And I'm praying for tonight. I really believe that tonight is going to be a supernatural night. Um, uh, Last night I was sitting in my house and I was playing that song that we sang, you know, our first worship song this evening, Love Like Fire. Did you enjoy that song? (laughs) Love Like Fire. I wish I could sing it like Kuda could. Um, If I hadn't been preaching all day, I could have got a little bit closer than I did then. But I was listening to that song last night, and I'll be honest with you, I I was reading just our text that I'm about to read to you tonight, and I became extremely emotional, and and I really believe that uh, something powerful is going to happen in a lot of lives tonight. I think you're going to begin, and many people in this auditorium are going to begin potentially for the first time, and if not for the first time, in that you've grasped that God loves you in a new way, I'm praying that tonight you're going to understand a depth of the love that God has towards each and every one of us. Uh, I believe that there are people in this room tonight whose lives are never gonna be the same again because of tonight. At the end of the service this evening, we're gonna give an opportunity to uh, receive prayer uh, for people in the service who feel like maybe you are low or that you've failed or that you can't do things for God or that maybe you're just unable to break through in certain habits and and faults and failings in your life. And at the end of the service, when that opportunity for prayer is given, I want you to run to the front of the service because that heaviness you've been feeling in your life up until this moment is about to break. Um, There are some people in the service that are in need of God's help for something in your life to break through, for you to go to another level. And I want you to run to the front because I'm a firm believer that one moment in the presence of God, our lives will never be the same again. If you're a believer, can you give God some praise in this place? Yeah, come on, lift Him up. Make His praise glorious in this house tonight. Amen, amen. All right, Hebrews chapter two. Uh, We're gonna start reading tonight in verse nine. And Father, as we read this word, I pray that you would just make it come alive as only you can. Um, Hebrews chapter two, verse nine. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now his crown with glory and honour because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone, for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their their salvation, that's our salvation, perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Wow, that just blows your mind, doesn't it? So Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers in the presence of the congregation. I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children God has given me. Since the children, that's you and I guys, we're God's kids. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death, He might destroy him who holds the power of death. So that by his death, he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the devil. And free. Someone shout free. free. Someone shout free. free. Those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For it is surely not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers. In other words, God had, Jesus had to be made like you and me in every way, in every way, in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Here's our key scripture tonight. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Isn't that amazing? Because he himself suffered when he was, what? Tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. When we go through difficulty in our lives, guys, where is Jesus? Not when you're going through your great days. I mean, there are many people in the service tonight and you've been singing with your hearts, like out of your chest, singing with your lungs so loud, you're struggling to speak right now. And on those days, everybody feels like Jesus is their homeboy. But I'm not talking to you tonight about those days. I'm talking about the other days. Maybe not your Sundays. I'm talking about your Tuesdays, your Wednesdays. I'm talking about your Fridays. What is his reaction? What's Jesus' reaction when we go through trials? Where is he when times are tough? When we are burdened by life? When we're burning with passions? Where is God and what does he think of us when we feel tempted? That's our topic for tonight. I wanna ask you tonight, where is God and what does he think of you and what it is his view of us when our view of ourselves is low? How does He consider us when we are failed or when we feel flawed or when we are tempted or when we are troubled? What's God's opinion of us? Not when we feel our best, but when we feel our worst. This is of importance to us guys in our lives because what we think of someone's reactions to our state is gonna determine a lot about the way that we interact with them. Whether we want to be near them or not or be far from them or not is gonna come back to what we believe they think of us. Is this not true? If we think they will reject us, then we stay afar from them. If we think that they will accept us, then we will come close to them. And when it comes to our holy and perfect God, this represents no end of challenge as we attempt to figure out what He thinks of us. And again, not in our good days, but on our bad ones. And guys, when we're trying to think about God and understand Him and work out how He connects with us and what He thinks of us, let's make no mistake about God as we're starting this message tonight. Jesus is a holy and perfect God. I want you to know about the Jesus that we're worshiping tonight, that there is nothing mediocre about Him. No average, no blemish, no flaw. 
He is perfect light. Darkness cannot flee, cannot stand in His presence. Our Jesus is a holy and righteous God. And if you believe it, put your hands together for Him and give that God some praise. I think if we're honest tonight, we would acknowledge that we are not perfect, correct? That we are flawed and we are fallen. And when we're trying to think about that God and what He thinks of us, this can be a real challenge. He's a holy and a perfect God. In the Old Testament, the Bible tells us that when the high priest would go into the inner court, inner court, the inner court, there was a veil in their temple. They would come to church and literally they couldn't even see the back of the stage. There would be a, 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 a veil, a veil. And behind the veil was what's called the most uh, holy place, the inner court. And in that inner court was, the, was the, the Ark of the Covenant representing the presence of God. And only once a year, one day a year, the high priest and only ever the high priest would go behind that veil. When he went behind that veil, they would have to offer up a sacrifice for his sins. Listen, both his known sins and his unknown sins. And even then, after having offered up those sacrifices, they would tie a rope around his ankle and put a bell on the other ankle. And they would listen from a distance to see whether the bell continued to chime assuming that if the bell stopped chiming, then there was sin in his life and standing in the presence of God had caused even the high priest to die for his sins. And the rope was there for the purpose of dragging him back out again, lest another die as they attempted to get his body from the inner court. When we're tempted to come to God, when we are attempting, sorry, to come to God, let's make no mistakes about it. The God that we are worshiping is holy. And if sin leads to death, if sin is so repugnant to God that it leads to the death of a high priest, then I guess the fundamental challenge for you and me has got to be in our lives in 2018. Where is God when we feel sinful? Right? I mean, where is He when we're disappointed with ourselves? And where is He on our bad days? And where is He when we experience passions and emotions and we are ashamed of even the actions that we have taken? Because when we think about a holy God, the truth is that for many of us, we, cinema, we, 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 we think that holy is synonymous with angry. That God somehow, because He is a holy God, He is aloof or He is distant, He is above, superior, that He is removed, that He doesn't stoop down to engage with people like you and me. That He lives in a high and a holy place and we are somehow here in a flawed humanity and that God will never, ever come close to us. And if this is how we feel about God, then make no mistake about it, it is going to determine how we interact with God. If we feel about God that He is indeed austere, aloof, removed, distant, greater than, looking down the nose at you and me, then we will question His acceptance. We will cower away from Him, especially when we feel that we are not performing as we should. Is this true? Am I talking to anybody tonight? Have you ever walked into a room and then when you walked in the room discovered that you're not dressed like you should be dressed? Anybody ever... Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever misread the dress code? Do you know what I mean? I am a highlights guy. Any, any highlights people out there? I always tell people, when you text me, put one sentence 
and then put a return and then put the next sentence. If you change topic mid-paragraph, guaranteed I will not notice that you're saying something new. I just don't have the ability to do it. I'm a headlines only person. I read the first sentence and assume arrogantly that I know the rest and move on to the next thing. And this has got me in trouble in my life many times before. If I've got a brother or a sister out there, can you at least give me a knowing wave? My headlines people, thank you. I appreciate the love. Yeah, all three of you and about 50 liars. People will send me these invites for things all the time. And I just totally, often I just totally misread the dress code. Do you know what I mean? Like you roll up and you like dress one way, you roll into the auditorium and suddenly everybody else has got a tuxedo or a ball dress on and you're suddenly like, oops, I misread the memo. Do you know what I'm talking about? I missed out on this occasion. If you've, if you've ever been that person, guys, we can have some fun with it, but isn't it the worst experience of your life? I mean, especially if you've got hours to go, right? You're there, you're there in your tattered, you know, trainers, and they're all there in their polished shoes, and the, you know, all the girls, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about, girls. They, they got their hair done, and they got lippy and stuff, and you're just rolling in in your trackies, you know, and you're just like, this is going to be a tough night. Everybody else looks really different to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, maybe something similar. You ever gone to a restaurant and not knowing which fork to use? Can it? Oh man, anybody here just remember the first time that happened to you? It's like awful. I remember the first time, it was a sponsor's dinner. I was 19, 20 years old, I was responsible for raising money and I'd interact with these wealthy Auckland Christian business people who are funding our ministry. And I was just a 19 year old kid from a middle class background. And here I am hanging out with these guys with lots of money. And I remember going around to this one sponsor's dinner. I've never seen such an opulent house in my life. And we sat down at the meal table and there were like three forks and three knives or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? And, and spoons and stuff. And I, I just sat down there and I'll be honest with you, I was totally freaked out. Anybody ever been there like, what, do I start, which one, I have not, what do I, which one do I use right now? I was so embarrassed, I just sat there until finally this lady, I think she must've just been kind to me, I don't know. But she just leaned over and goes, you start on the outside, you work to the inside. Even then I felt so inadequate, you know what I mean? If you've ever been that person in either kind of category tonight, what's your instant reaction? Your reaction is to feel extremely uncomfortable, right? The next reaction is to kind of like count the seconds until the time is over. True, right? And as fast as possible, we want to leave that room, don't we? We want to, we want to get out of that space. We want to run away. And what we really want to do is we want to get back with people who are like us. True. Because the way we feel about the room, the way we feel about the people, and fundamentally the way we see about ourselves is gonna determine the way that we live our lives. What rooms we wanna be in, what spaces we wanna be in, and what people we wanna hang out with all comes back to the way we see us and the way we see them. And when we think about God, and when we think about connecting with a holy and a righteous God, this leaves us with no end of challenges because you and I are trying to navigate our lives and walk through the journey of our lives. And perhaps the way that sin gets the greatest stronghold in our hearts is to cause us to think somehow differently about the way God thinks of us, to cause us perhaps 
to feel like we are the one with the wrong clothes on in the room. Hello? Or maybe we're the kid who doesn't know which fork to use, that we wanna run away from God, that we wanna distance ourselves from God, that when we feel our worst, we wanna get as far away from God as we possibly can. Am I talking to anybody tonight? Well, you wouldn't be the first person, team, if you're here tonight and you've ever felt that way, or maybe if you feel that way in your life tonight, you wouldn't be the first. Adam and Eve did exactly that. The Bible says that when the first couple ever sinned, that the, the reaction, their reaction to their sin was to run away from God. Not only did they run away from God, but they hid in the shadows. And if you feel the shadows of your home and that the light makes you feel uncomfortable, then I'm here to see something broken over your life tonight. I believe that it can be. The light is your home and the shadows are the realm of the devil. And if you believe God wants to set somebody free, why don't you give them about two seconds of praise in this place tonight? Come on. They made facades, coverings. Do you know they got, they got leaves and they constructed a covering and they hid behind them. And for millennium of human history, humans have been doing exactly the same thing in their lives forevermore. Feeling like we have to put on an image, a facade, a wardrobe, a smile that isn't really us. We're just trying to project something on the outside because of how we feel about us and God on the inside. Right? We find this not only with them, but we, we see this in the life of Peter when Peter sinned. The guy who was supposed to birth the early church denied Jesus three times beside a courtyard. The scripture says that his immediate reaction was to run from God. He went back to fishing, back to what was safe, what was reliable, what was monotonous, what would not in any way change the world. And there are too many people playing it safe in this auditorium tonight, not taking risks, not stepping out of the crowd, reluctant perhaps to take your place in what God's got for you. And I believe that the greatest service you could do to yourself will be to realize that God doesn't want you hiding, cowering, afraid, God doesn't want you living in monotony. God wants you taking your place and making a difference in our generation. You are called by God. You have a hand of God over your life. And even though you go through a difficult day, God has not given up on you. And if you believe it, praise Him in this place tonight. It's what Moses did, right? Moses killed an Egyptian. He was supposed to be God's leader, but he killed an Egyptian instead. So the Bible says that he bailed, he took off and he went into the wilderness and he lived in the desert for the next 40 years. 40 years, one failure, one disappointment, one moment when he didn't live up to his own expectations. And he spent 40 years, 40 years with no confidence, 40 years without any fruit from his existence. When finally God found him again, the Bible said he developed a stutter. It literally lost the very core of who he was, a shell of the man that he once was. And we do the same, I think. We, we, we distance ourselves from God when we feel undeserving of him. We, we feel, when we feel we do not measure up to his standard, we, we hide ourselves away from him. And it might be more subtle than the examples I've given to you tonight, but the impact is exactly the same where Christians develop a polished and well-constructed facade that looks good when you come to a church environment but doesn't make you feel good. 
when you try to come before your king? A people who perhaps on the outward look like they're just faithful, but really are no longer standing and taking risks for God because they feel that their failures have disqualified them from his call. A people who have lost their confidence and are no longer as strong in life as they were maybe when they started off in their journey being young. And I believe tonight that we need to understand that when the way we feel about God and how he feels about us is it powerfully impacting the way that we are living our lives right now. When we look in the Bible, we find not only examples like I've given to us tonight, but we find heroic standout examples. I mean, 12 spies were sent to survey the promised land and 10 were perhaps how we often feel, like God is distant, like His support is not guaranteed, that maybe we do not measure up to a standard, that somehow we have failed and flawed and fallen and as a result, God has left us to ourselves and we're in it alone. And the Bible says that they were afraid that they looked at situations and thought they were bigger, but two guys were radically different. And I wanna call to light a bunch of people that are supposed to be numbered among the two tonight who looked at challenges and said, our God hasn't left us alone. And it's not just up to us, it's up to God. And if our God is for us, then it matters not the size of the obstacles that are against us, that our God will lead us in victory over every situation, every setback, every trial. If our God is for us, then who can be against us? And if you believe that your God is still powerful, praise Him for three seconds, come on. That's the people we're talking to tonight. I believe God's looking for a David in this room who's gonna look at a Goliath and because of the way you see God and the way you see His relationship with you, you're not gonna run with fear because you doubt that God is for you, but you're gonna run into a valley, stand alone, be bold and courageous and bring down an obstacle that has confronted generations. I believe that's what God wants for you and me. No, the truth is team that sometimes when we need God the most, is when we come to Him the least. It's so true often in life, isn't it? That when we are most desperate for His help is when we come to Him the very least. That when we should be coming boldly to our God for help, we're trying to avoid Him at all costs. And the truth is, team, that this view of God and of ourselves It might be the most destructive part of our lives today. Which is why for me, I get so emotional when I read this passage of Scripture. As the Bible begins to describe our Jesus. And it says about Him firstly, that He was made perfect through suffering. That it then goes on to tell us that He's not ashamed to call you and me as brothers. That He says, I'm gonna call you my family that in order for Him to change our lives, He had to be willing to step into the same skin that we live in. The same skin that you live in. The same emotions that you feel, the same situations that we're confronted with, the same challenges that we face. Oh, John, there's no way Jesus would, could empathize with me. Are you kidding me? Jesus' whole life, they accused Him of being the love child of Joseph and Mary conceived before they got married. 
He was ridiculed at school, speaking ill of in his community, rejected as ever having a hope or a future. If you feel you're downtrodden, if you feel like you are flawed, if you feel like you have fallen, if you feel like there are reasons why God could never use you, your Jesus knows where you live. He's walked where you walk. He understands your pain. He's not removed from it. He is in it. And if you believe that, praise your Jesus tonight. He's a caring and a present God. And how amazing is it as we work our way through our passage of Scripture and finally find ourselves in verse 18 tonight. Words so powerful that they seem sacrilegious. Because He Himself suffered when He was, what? Tim. What? When He was what? Tempted. Because He Himself suffered when He was tempted, He is able to help those who are being. Being what? Because He Himself suffered when He was what? He is help, able to help those who are being what? Oh my gosh. When we read our passage of Scripture tonight, this is what we come face to face with. We come face to face with a God who empathizes with our temptations. We come face to face with a God who knows what it is like to experience what we experience. It seems more natural. It seems easier for us somehow to relate to a God who is only ever above and holy and removed. And it can seem such a mind job to accept a God that is close to us, involved with us, a God who is understanding our path, who's walked in our shoes. Yet when we read this passage tonight, we realise that that's the God that we worship. A God who has felt as, as we feel. A God who has known the desire to take for the benefit of self, the rage of our lust, the burn of our resentment. We tend to think surely our God is removed from that. But the arrival of Jesus into our world says something completely different. Jesus stepped into our human condition. He is acquainted with our issues. Jesus felt the desire for rage. He has known the fire of our resentment. Jesus has experienced our temptations. And when we start to realize this about God, I don't know about you, but it changes everything. Our next verse of Scripture is gonna completely blow your way tonight in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. It says, we do not have a high priest. We do not have a high priest. This is Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been what? in every way, just as we are. In every way, just as we are. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. Jesus is not looking down on you with an unknowing stare. Jesus is not the rich man raised in a rich house, walking past a poor person and not getting it, that they don't have a meal for today. Jesus is a God who knows what it's like if He was that poor man to have a hungry belly. Jesus knows what it's like to live in the neighbourhood you live in and to feel the resentment and to experience the rejection. Jesus knows what it's like 
to feel the pain in our souls. Jesus has felt the agony of our trial. He knows our challenges. He's not looking at us with an aloof and superior judgment. He come to Jesus when we come to Him. We're coming to a Savior who understands our condition. He can help us because He's been where we've been. He knows because He's walked in our shoes. Our Jesus has experienced our temptation. He's lived the life you're living. Oh, we come to a God of empathy. We come to a God of understanding. Listen, guys, when you and I have a bad day, when we blow it, when we're so disappointed with ourselves and we don't wanna let God even know when we're tempted to be Adam and Eve and just to cower and hope that God will not even find us where we are. And finally, when our God discovers what's going wrong in our lives, I want you to know that your God is not looking at you going, oh no, your God is looking at you and this is what He's saying, I know, I know, I know. To consider that about God completely changes the way we view Him, doesn't it? To realize about our God that He's not looking down at us and saying, I don't get it. Quite the opposite. We come to a Jesus who's saying, I understand. And I want you to know tonight about your Jesus that when we're talking about Him, we're not talking about a God who is uncaring or removed or a God who hasn't walked where you walk. Your Jesus, He understands. He understands your pain. He understands your failure. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He's experienced abuse. He's been neglected. Your Jesus understands, my friend. He's not a God removed, but He is a God involved. He has felt our pain, knows our difficulties. He not only cares, He is acquainted. He has empathy for us. Hebrews chapter two, verse 18 is incredible because this is what it says. Because He Himself suffered when He was tempted. He is able to help. Wow, now we're taking it to another level to discover about Jesus that He is not only able to understand, that not only does He get it, but that He wants to be involved, that He is offering to us assistance, that while we're trying to run away from Him, He is calling us to Him. That God isn't saying, get away from me. He's saying, come to me. When you feel your worst is when I'm at my best. When you want me the least is when you need me the most. When you wanna get away from me is when you need to get to me. And if you believe God loves you on your worst day, I want you to stand to your feet and give Him some praise in this place tonight. Come on. Our Jesus understands. Our Jesus understands. Our Jesus cares for us. Our Jesus is available for us. Our Jesus accepts us. Our Jesus is there for us. I want you to know that nothing you are going through is too big for your God. That no low day of your life disqualifies you from His love. That no moment of temptation can stop God from loving you. And no matter how bad you feel today, there are people in this auditorium tonight who feel bound by what you did yesterday, who feel limited by the failures of your today. But I want you to know you come to a Jesus who is saying, I can help. I can help. I can help. I am here. I am present. I am engaged. I am available. And your life can change. I said your life can change. 
I said your life can be different. If you believe you can overcome because you have been made an overcomer by Jesus, lift your voice and praise Him tonight. You can overcome. You can overcome. Oh, I got two more scriptures. Remain standing, remain standing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy. Receive mercy. Receive mercy. In other words, when you don't feel good, God still forgives you. When you feel rejected, God will make you still accepted. When you feel like you can't come to Him, He says, I will expunge your wrong and make you free from what happened. Not only can you receive mercy, but you can find grace. What's a grace mean? It means unmerited favour. I'm prophesying over you tonight, unmerited favour. That even when you feel undeserving of His love, He still covers you with His favour. Oh, John, oh, John, my child is sick because of my sin. Absolutely not, sir. You can be free of that sin and your kid can be healed. My life is a mess because of what happened to me yesterday. It might be a mess right now, but you're forgiven and you're going to be blessed tomorrow because God's got grace for you. Somebody needs to shout some praise in this place tonight. about that struggle you've been going through that you think you're going to keep circling around and around and around that same thing for the rest of your life, then this is my verse for you guys. We're jumping ahead one Scripture. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, He, that's Jesus, is able to save partially. Right? To forgive just on a Sunday night in April 2018. Right? Just to give you just a little bit of victory. And tomorrow you'll be back fighting the same struggle. I'm here to speak to that lie in your mind that's making you think that you'll be a, a pervert forever, a sinner forever, bound by a condition, always addicted, never break free, never get over it. I'm here to tell you that He completely saves. He completely saves. He completely saves. He completely saves. You can be different. You can find freedom. And if you believe it, get crazy with your praise. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.